like Dude, a I don't man. get you. I she just, looks yeah, like a thank man. you. God, she's very attractive and No. No, she's not. She looks like a man. <laughs> she still does. She, she still does. Like I'm Josh, you're on your own on this one. Are you telling me like a man to you? Yep. Yes, 100%. Yep. You said that looks like somebody that had Einhorn is Finkel. surgery. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. Uh, you can't convince us, dude. I'm sorry. I, I can't. I never knew. No, no, no. We have a, a colorful graphic here that shows instances of bullshit like this are on the rise. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Government's out to get you. NASA's out to get you. The NSA's out to get you. Well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. Police ask public not to shoot after recent Bigfoot sighting. Discussion we've been having lately about Bob Lazar and what he did at Area 51. We ain't found shit. Open the gates. Open the gates. We're professionals. Kinda. Very professional. Speaking of professional, welcome to Strange Uncles, everybody. I'm Shane. I'm John. I have a mouthful of beer. Again. That's I, Josh. I think you fucking do that on purpose. I do that on purpose. I fucking love it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, uh, we actually kind of going back and forth a little bit on what we're doing, how we're doing it. And um, this is actually going to be a pretty cool episode. I think this is more fun. Lighthearted. A little bit lighter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah in the last couple. Yeah, depending on the editing. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> that all relies on me. So, uh, again, we're going to cover our word facts. Um, we actually have uh, something else. We have somebody standing by on the line that we're going to talk to real quick, who uh, hopefully you guys like. be kind of cool. Um, we are covering the history of the movies. And then towards the end, we're going to have an interview with a special effects genius who's been in the Hollywood business for quite some time. Worked on X Files along with other uh, other movies. Um, kind of a yeah, kind of a packed episode. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to go through. Yeah, I think it should be cool. So first and foremost, because I don't want her waiting online for too long. Um, we had so for those of you who listen, I belong to a another group called Ochre Mountain Paranormal Investigators. Um, it's ran by Mike Pardue. And he's the lead investigator. And uh, it's fun to belong. I'm the sound guy, but at the same time, just having them welcome me on board is kind of cool because it's been awesome to be honest with you uh he has befriended uh, a person that has a farm out in ogden utah her name's sue she's owned it uh, for a long time her family's owned it actually for over 100 years and he's investigated there prior um and again mike purdue you know he he just kind of they used to work together and then he made contact with her and figured out that they you know there's a paranormal aspect to it and uh, the sunday we went out there and did some investigations, and I actually had a chance to meet her. What I didn't know was Sue has been a listener of the podcast for quite some time, um, which, you know, whenever I meet somebody who likes a podcast or we meet somebody who likes a podcast, I go, man, you guys are really doing a good job. It, I, I don't know about you guys, but it makes me feel like we're in it for the right reasons, I guess. Yeah. 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 So... And she's one of them. And uh, it's really cool because she's a devout LDS. You know, she's ran this farm forever and she just loves what we do. And and I think that's something to be said about that. Uh, you know, you can put your differences aside 
and uh, just be a good person. So anyway, we were out there Sunday, and she said I would be more than happy to come on the podcast and tell some stories where I can. And we have her standing by uh, with a story. And uh, Sue, welcome to Strange Uncles. I heard you uh, you possibly have a story for us. I do indeed, and thank you for your kind welcome. Thank you for uh, uh, being here. I enjoy the, the podcast. I get a kick out of you guys. You do a great job. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Sue. So you want to hear a ghost story? I've got a doozy for you. Awesome. Um, my son is 23 now, but when he was just a little kid, we were in the process of renovating our home. Now, our house was built in 1909, and it's just a little clapboard farmhouse, uh, but it's got history to it. And some of the history is uh, unfortunate, tragic, if you will. When we were doing the drywall um, in my son's room, it was August and hotter than peck. Um, we, uh, I think it was just myself, and we had this young man that was supposed to be good at drywall. And he was the younger brother of one of my husband's friends that he'd gone to school with. The guy's name was Ray. Nice guy, but he just seemed really twitchy. <laughs> And uh, I didn't think anything about it, but uh, it was the afternoon and everybody would run off to Home Depot to pick up paint or whatever, and Ray and I were the only ones in the house. And uh, the way the house is laid out, we don't have any hallways. Some of the old farmhouses, you know, they just go from room to room to room, and that's how this house is laid out. Uh, the bathroom was an afterthought when, you know, indoor plumbing became the fad. <laughs> so uh, right. we just had this little back bedroom that we were trying to get um, fixed up for my for my boy. And uh, Ray, anyway, got to town on it, was doing a good job, but he just, he kept going out for smoke breaks and stuff. And his brother Frank had told us that Ray was, um, had had some issues. And I didn't know what that was. I didn't know if he was, you know, had substance problems or what, what the deal was. He just, but he just seemed really nervous. And, uh, I came in to the house. Um, and like I said, Ray and I were the only ones here and he was in the back bedroom and he came running out of the back bedroom, white as a sheet and said, is there anybody else in the house? And I said, no, they're all, they've all gone to get stuff, you know, run for drinks over to the corner store or gone up to Home Depot, so there's nobody here but you and me. And he said, well, there was a guy standing in the kitchen, which the doorway to my son's room faced directly out into the kitchen, uh, apparently glaring at him. Hmm. And I said, glaring at you? And he said, well, yeah. He said, I asked him, well, what did he look like? And uh, he said, well, he wasn't very tall. He was about 5'7", five, 5'8". Uh, he had a hat on and kind of like old-time farmer clothes. And he had these piercing light gray eyes. And uh, he, he said, I didn't recognize him, but he freaked me out. And then he turned and walked through the wall. Oh, and I oh, said, Jesus what? <laughs> he walked through the wall. Uh, and Ray said, yeah. And he says, he says uh, I got to go have a smoke. So he ran out front and was sitting there with a cigarette and his hands were shaking as he was trying to light it. I still remember that because it was kind of cracked me up and I didn't have the heart to tell him that he had described my grandfather who had died in the front room oh. of a gunshot accident. Oh wow! He had dropped a um, 
22 long barreled revolver um, back in, it was like 1944. I mean, it was years before I was even born. My mom was a little kid and uh, it had apparently, the bullet had penetrated his abdomen somewhere and we think that it must have nicked an artery because he bled out within minutes. Uh, uh, and they said that uh, they begged him to go to the hospital and he said, no, I'm a goner, there's no point. Wow. And with that, he, he died right there in what is our living room. And uh, anyway, I tried to get uh, Ray to come back in. <laughs> he wouldn't do it. He said, he said I got to go get more smokes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm sure. And he never came back. He never came back. <laughs> wow. Poor guy. I felt I... bad for him. Wow. But uh, I didn't get a chance to tell him that he had described my granddad. That's exactly what my granddad looked like. And so I'm pretty sure that grandpa was checking in on him to see what was going on. Was it, you know, the, was it the eyes that gave it away? Or It was the eyes. Okay. It was the eyes because my granddad had, had what he referred to as gray eyes. And they were kind of a light piercing color. He had kind of a, an aquiline or you'd call it maybe kind of a beak nose. I don't want to say beaky, but uh, it, pretty, pretty distinctive features. And for Ray to have seen him that clearly, and apparently he looked as solid as a real person because until he walked through the wall, um, Ray thought that it was somebody that had wandered in that hadn't, you know, that hadn't uh, been introduced. Uh, Were you guys doing like uh, demolition and like, like a remodel? Okay. Yeah. It was a total remodel of the back room. We were in the process of pulling out all the lathe and plaster and uh, putting the drywall up and getting it all, you know, fixed up so we could get it painted. That's why. And, uh, that's yeah. why, because the house was being changed. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly yep. it. Yeah. Wow. But, uh, mm. Yeah, that it, blows it, my mind. <clears throat> it would have been funny, except for I was I was worried about Ray, you know, and I, I asked um, Frank when we tried to get a hold of him, he, you know, wouldn't pick up and wouldn't pick up and... <laughs> Frank said that Ray would see things sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, well, yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, people that do see things or do pick up on stuff, uh, it's possible they're using some part of their brain. Maybe there's some part of their brain that's more active than it would be in a, an average people. I don't know. Uh, some folks are colorblind. You've got some guys that are tone deaf and other guys that are, that are, have perfect pitch. And so I think people sometimes can access things in their brains that allow them to see stuff that maybe other people don't see. Yeah, I can. So, and yeah, I, I, I would be. Sorry. Go oh, ahead. go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I think that's, uh, I think you hit it really on the head. I mean, as we were covering before, when we, before you introduced you with uh, Mike Pardue, you know, that's one of his theories, you know, that it's mm-hmm. just, um, it's different perceptions, different viewpoints, you know, very interesting. And despite the fact that you live on a, a piece of land that obviously has history. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that's one of the many stories you have, which just, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that absolutely blows my mind, you know, so. Totally. Um, oh, there's some, there's some beauties. We've got some really, I'm sure, I, I'm sure dozens, literally dozens of strange stories, yeah. you know, that have happened over the years. Well, I, this farm has been in the family since 1852 and my son is the seventh generation 
Wow. That's cool. So That's we've neat. been here a while. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can imagine. I, I can't. Well, first of all, you know, thank you for calling in for that story. I hope that uh, there, there's a time that you call in for other ones or write in. Um, you know, this is what we kind of, we live on the strange and the eclectic. And, uh, again, you know, we covered in the beginning before your introduction, but, uh, just your graciousness for your farm, you know, this, uh, this weekend was awesome and, uh, much appreciated. Well, it was great to meet you, Shane. Uh, you know, and to be able to put a face with the voice and compliment you on, you know, job well done with the podcast and all. And the Ochre Mountain guys, I can't say enough good things about them. They are just very professional Mike's a lot of fun, and Jen's a sweetheart. So I've, I've enjoyed the friendship with them over the years. I worked with Mike for years, and uh, I, heard, I don't see him anymore, but uh, yeah. we used to tease each other a lot and discovered that um, we both had an interest in things that were that were paranormal, you know, essentially that uh, there's no no explanation yet for them. Right. And I, I'm, right. I agree with Mike. I think a lot of that there's a scientific reason for things, that we just haven't discovered yet. Yeah, I think that's really the crux. Um, good people. I'm glad that I joined the the, the organization that he's founded. And uh, as far as putting the face in the name for me, I'm sorry, because, you know, maybe I don't look like my voice. I don't think I do. However, <laughs> hopefully that was okay for you. So anyway, <laughs> but awesome. Sue, thank you for your time. Thank you for your, uh, your patience and your call in. Uh, hope to hear from you soon. And thanks for being a fan. Appreciate it. Thank Absolutely. you, Sue. Love to have All you right. back. You you guys have a good evening, and I'll be in touch. All right. Thanks, Sue. You bet. Bye. 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 You want to hear some news, everyone? By all means. <laughs> all right. Uh, sorry, that was dumb. <laughs> So July 16th, a U.S. congressman by the name of Mark Walker penned a letter to the Secretary of the United States Navy, um, Richard Spencer, and it is about the UFO, UAP phenomenon, and, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's concerned with national security, so that is the premise of this, and... Uh, I kind of want to just go ahead and read the letter. It's not too long. and Oh, yeah, um, by all means. I think this is still kicking around. Yeah, so, so this is very yeah. relevant. And, I mean, it uh, has to do with ATIP and, um, you know, to the stars inadvertently. I mean, it ha- Mark Walker has nothing to do with to the stars, but it's all the all this stuff. So here we go. Um, Secretary Spencer. In recent days, members of Congress and the public have seen press reports regarding unidentified aerial phenomenon engaging with or encountering our naval aviators. The reports mention the existence of these encounters both domestically and abroad during various missions and trainings. We have also seen statements made by the Department of Defense regarding steps taken by the Navy to draft new guidelines for aviators to report these occurrences. Additionally, there have been reports of significant investments in advanced aerospace technologies like the recorded UAP encounters by China. Based on pilot accounts, encounters with these UAPs often involve complex flight patterns and advanced maneuvering, which demand extreme advances in quantum mechanics, nuclear science, electromagnetics, and thermodynamics. If the accounts are true, the unidentified crafts could pose a serious security risk to our military personnel and defense apparatus. They could also represent a tremendous opportunity for advancements in science and technology that can contribute to the public good. 
The detailed news of the encounters comes on the heels of an announcement by the Department of Defense in 2017 that noted the end of the Advanced Aerospace Threat and Identification Program, ATIP, which was tasked with investigating UAP encounters. As a member of the House Committee on Homeland Security and the ranking member for the Subcommittee on Intelligence and Counterterrorism, these reports are concerning from a national airspace and domestic security perspective. While I am encouraged by the Navy's proactive decision to draft new guidelines for reporting, I am concerned these reports are not being fully investigated and understood. Since the decision to end the ATIP has the department continued to both log reports slash sightings and fully investigate the origins of the accounts, does the department continue to dedicate resources to tracking and investigating the claims? If so, to what measure? Has the department found physical evidence or otherwise that substantiates these claims? Lastly, does the department have any information regarding private companies or foreign nations who have made significant advancements in aerophysics? We believe the answers to these questions are vital to our national security and scientific research and of significant public interest. Thank you for your immediate attention to this matter. We look forward to working with you on this important matter to ensure our domestic security. Sincerely, Mark Walker, Member of Congress. Good on him. Yeah. Good on fucking him. Yeah. Did he get any kind of a response? Um, that, I mean, that was July 16th, so I mean, that was 13 days ago. Yeah. I, f- I forget the date. Fairly fresh. Yeah, pretty, oh, yeah. pretty recent. So, I mean, who knows if Richard Spencer has... Uh, wrote him back or not I, I i he may or may not i don't know i don't think uh if he has it's public he's made it public um but yeah i thought that yeah. was pretty interesting that i mean congress is definitely ramping up involved there. yeah that, that's mean, the whole thing they're the, involved yeah they're, you know, he, there's an issue here i mean it's their job is to protect protect the country right and having uaps in protected airspace is essentially a threat to national security. So they need to figure out, it's in their best interest to figure out what these are. Is it China? Is it Russia? Yeah, see, so that there you go. That's That was, you just took the words right out of my fucking mouth. You know, everybody's assuming, oh my God, aliens. No, this isn't necessarily aliens. This could be any country that has whatever technology they're dealing with and it's just been poo-pooed for how long? Yeah, and and now we're like, oh, no, wait, this is a fucking thing. They're over our nuclear sites. They're over our military facilities. They're over. Come on. I mean, and it's dangerous to assume. It's dangerous to poo-poo this. Um, I mean, my personal beliefs. I do think a lot of this is extraterrestrial. That's just me. Sure. But coming yeah. from a government standpoint, you even if you take that away. Your job is government. Your job is to protect, no matter where it's coming from, no matter where the source is coming from, you really need to cover your bases on every way, shape, or form. And I don't know how they're not. Yeah. Um, the extraterrestrial hypothesis needs to be the last resort exactly. on yeah. their agenda. They need to you know, rule out China, rule out Russia. Because if they somehow, Agreed. if somehow Russia and China have... Um, advanced this far, and 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 caught us blindside. I mean, it. This technology can change the world literally. Well, we Americans are very ignorant and like to think that we're so much farther advanced than everybody else. But I mean, uh, like we were talking about before we started recording regarding like the moon landing, 
um, Russia was kicking our ass in the space race. Oh, fuck yeah. They're like, the first ones that launched over us. Yeah. Know? I mean, yeah. They were the first to everything but the moon. Yeah, when we put right. Sputnik, or when we, when the Russians put Sputnik. Excuse me, comrade? <laughs> <laughs> when the Russians put Sputnik up uh, in orbit, yeah, that was. Yeah, people freaked that, out. That lit the fire. Oh, people, um, the fucking president. Holy fuck. Could you imagine the look on his face when that happened? But so my point in saying that also is that I think a big part of the reason that like the whole UFO question has la- largely been publicly laughed off by the government and the military while privately investigated is because they can't say there's something flying in our sovereign airspace that we don't know what it is or if we can stop it if we needed yeah, to. Yeah, they can't. Yeah, because it has cake on their face. If they say that. Well, and it just yeah. shows that they're vulnerable. Yeah. And right. come they, get us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the United States cannot seem vulnerable. Right. You know, uh, I mean, if if they said and admitted that there are objects in the sky in restricted airspace over nuclear facilities that are turning on, arming the nukes and disarming the nukes at will without their control. That's scary shit, dude. I Jesus mean, Christ. like... Yeah. And if that is a different country, that's a huge Can you imagine? deal. That Can is, you fucking that imagine? That is the biggest. Like that that's is the biggest deal. The only thing that's more scary, more terrifying than that is if it's not another country. Yeah, <laughs> like, and that, I mean that's what. And we like need to John was said, like you were saying, that's the last on the table. But it shouldn't be off the table. It no. definitely should not. It be off just the table. should be okay. But I'm saying let's take all these other things out of the way. Take every single country in the right. entire world. And then aliens. Well, and or even some Jesus, private, man, you're you such know? a fucking bummer. God damn. I'm I sorry. guess not now just even <laughs> us, capital us, the U.S. are arrogant, but human beings in general are arrogant. Oh, because, sure. Uh, like all of the great like astrophysicists and astronomers, the 20th century, you know, like we're saying basically like, so Drake's equation says that it's impossible that we don't have life. I think it's the Fermi paradox that says uh, that the distances are probably too vast for us to ever interact with each other. And yeah. then I think it was Carl Sagan that said that it's really sad that the universe is probably teeming with life and we'll, well, we'll never, never see, it. Yeah. see it. Yeah. But that's uh, all based off our understanding of science. And my new favorite saying is what we know is a drop. What we don't know is the ocean. Yeah, again, I've always said humans are fucking ignorant, even with everything that we've made and all the advances we've made. We're still fucking Neanderthals. We just really are, yeah. you know, when it comes to that. So that's interesting. And that's really cool that he want, he put himself out there. Like, anything could have happened. He could have been chastised. and like, why are you even worrying about doing this? Why are you worrying about putting a letter like this out there? Yeah, yeah. but he did. And it's I think he has other members of Congress that are backing him up. Yeah, which is yeah. even... Totally cool. So there have been other members of Congress that have asked questions and tried to probe into this. Um, Harry Reid, I think, was one. <laughs> probe. Harry Reid. Yeah. Well, let's he's talk about Harry Reid and the guy. Some he, anuses. Uh, but um, he's the one that earmarked the original money for a tip. Right. Was Harry Reid? That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, he's currently retired with now. All of that being yeah. public now, I think you can ask these questions and get. Uh, taken a little bit more seriously, if that makes sense. It does. I, it, I like think it's we're less more of a risk now, right. and it's it's right. less of a risk, and also the chance of payoff of reward is way better. You don't get laughed out of house like you would say 
10 years ago, yeah, 20 I mean, years ago. Well, when the Navy yeah. put out the Tic Tac, the Gimlin, and the Go Fast UFO videos. All in a weird, small amount of time, right? You know, I mean, I, th- the, I don't know what more credible uh, agency. We're, cha- we're the United States Navy. We're changing our policy on how we identify unidentified flying well, objects. That's something to be said right there. You know, for years and years, pilots were chastised. Their careers were threatened if they ever uh, reported anything like that. And that's why a lot of them never say anything. So that's good that the Navy is um, allowing pilots, if they see something, see something, say something. And your career is not in jeopardy. And, you know, you you can keep on flying. We're not going to think, you know, we're not going to ground you. And and we're not talking about rape, folks. It's not see something, say something. Uh, This is about UFOs, not rape. Is that about rape? Did they say that about rape, too? I want to flag that to... Check that out. I don't know. Why? <laughs> the reason for it. Anyway, yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy. But I, I think it's neat that they're they're bringing it out. And, um, yeah, it's something else. So uh, I had – actually, I had something lined up that was very interesting to me that I thought. And then I found something that trumped it. What I originally found that was interesting was in Chernobyl, uh, there are thousands of dogs who are up for adoption, according to Americans. Now, they've been scrubbed. They've been cleaned. You can't touch them if they're still in Chernobyl. By the way, they're doing tours there. Did you know that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just heard that the other day. But don't pet them because they're contaminated. However, they seem to be doing fine. And then there's companies that bring them out and they you know, they put them up for adoption agencies. So I, I find that weird. So there's an adoption agency picking dogs from Chernobyl up and America. Adopting them to Americans or all over the world? No, no, no. This specifies Americans, which thank you for catching that because I was like, wait a minute. What the hell is that about? China? Not Somalia? America's kind of far away from Chernobyl. Why not Germany? Um, Thank you. Or something. That wasn't mentioned in the You can't touch them while they're in Chernobyl, but you can touch them. They are, Josh, they're decontaminated and scrubbed down, whatever that means. I'm not uh, sure. That means they're less radioactive. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's like a Scooby-Doo mystery. No, I mean, it's like a... Yeah. Like, so it would get all the contaminants off the surface of them. But, but like, what about inside? They've breathing it in. But they've so been there. Okay, so... it's like their cute little puppy breath is radioactive. <laughs> Okay. So Why are they only giving it to Americans? That's yeah, yeah okay. Thank you. I'm stuck on that too uh, because this is what it was. Oh, we're shipping them to America. I'm like, ah. Okay, like in a box with holes in it? I'm not too sure here. Yeah, I don't understand why there's not other people involved. I just find it funny that they're trying to... Okay, so yes, it's sad that they were abandoned because they 120,000 people in 1986 left Chernobyl Mm -hmm. over the incident that we all know was horrible and what happened. And because of that, all those animals are left behind. They They don't specify cats or anything else. They just specify dogs. But I still find that funny, you know? Just kind of how it's set up. I, I don't really... Anyway, you know, ponder that story. There's another one that actually trumped it, to be honest with you, which I find funny. Uh, Japan approves groundbreaking experiment bringing human-animal hybrids to term. Wow. Yeah. So what they're doing, they actually... This was illegal before, but now Japan has made it a law that says, okay, you can do these hybrids where they inject human DNA into certain animals, and before you had to ethically put them down, now they're saying they can bring them to term, which means to birth, 
and watch them and monitor them to see what happens. Now, before you get all fucking crazy lazy with the whole thing, the doctor that's in charge of this is saying it because what he wants to do is he's trying to do organ transplants for humans. So he's trying to experiment with the fact that, you know, for example, they tried mice first. They took mice without a pancreas. They injected human DNA where they could grow a pancreas. They're starting these experiments where they can grow organ donors, I guess, in a way. And he's starting with that. And then it's going to go into pigs and cows and other things that are can actually grow our organs our size. And that's why he wants to do it. The Japanese embassy has said, cool, let's go for it. So they've moved from mice to what? Well, they haven't moved from mice yet, but he wants okay. to move from mice to pigs eventually. Mice to pigs. Yeah. And it's all for <clears throat> organ growth for yeah. us. Uh, they use uh, pig heart valves in um, open heart surgery a lot. They do. Yeah, true. But a pig heart valve versus surprise, surprise, other we're very genetically compatible with pigs. That's amazing. Anyway, that's all I have for my uh, alien hybrid, human hybrid, whatever you want to call it. I just found that was interesting because that's that's a huge jump. And, okay, I know why you're doing it, but at the same time, holy fuck, you're doing it. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, did you think about this when you were fucking 12? I didn't think about I, it, it just, when I was 34 today. Which was until, last year. <laughs> like right I didn't now. think about it until four minutes ago. Oh, Jesus crazy. <laughs> today years old. Yeah. I was today years old when I thought about that. Anyway. Josh, what do you got, man? Uh, so I found an article um, that the headline was like awesome. It's like groundbreaking black hole research. Scientists are dismissing Newton's theory of gravity. And uh, it basically goes on to say uh, that they uh, – I hate trying to read and talk at the same time. Um, their research managed to uh, disprove Newton's law of gravity – uh, they don't explain how or why, but they Go say figure. that the the study that they did kind of shows that that isn't how gravity actually works. Uh, they said that uh, the theory of relativity is still safe, air quotes, for now. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, they basically followed a star called SO-2 uh, in, its, in three dimensions in its... Uh, orbit around the supermassive black hole at the center of the galaxy. And uh, they're learning a lot more about gravity, but it doesn't, I was super frustrated with the article uh, just because it doesn't go into detail about like why this particular professor, uh, Andrea Gez is saying what she's saying. Like what makes her think yeah, that like all uh, of this is wrong and like yeah. like your basic reasoning for it? Like they, they leave out like the meat of everything. Yeah. It's like you can't just say, Oh hey, turns out Newton's laws are wrong and then not say why. Yeah. Here's a bologna sandwich, no bologna, no mayonnaise. Just bread. Here you go. Yeah. Have at it. I, it was yeah. I was like, Oh, this is gonna be so cool. And then I was like, Oh, it's not and I also just noticed that in my notes I shortened black hole to bee hole. <laughs> well, at least you know what you're talking about. So, dude. you know, that's about what I <laughs> There's that. feel about that article. Oh, uh, that's funny. That's Yeah, it would be nice if you're going to write an article. Kind of writing an article means you're going to uh, Include, finish it. Like, I don't need the I math. Mean, well, this is not that hard. That's some pretty big stuff yeah. to, you know. Uh, Throw out there and stick to the wall. and Those are and some wild not. claims with no backup. Yeah, big and, claims uh, require big... 
uh, explanations. Yeah, um, it, like this should have been like a three pager, not like a three paragrapher. <laughs> I mean, that is huge. Yeah, to think about it, but at the same time. I catch a lot of those when it comes to like black holes and everything. It just, you know, fucking it's covering the news all over. Just come on, guys, be concise with what you're talking about. Well, I hear you know, if you can. I hear we don't really know what gravity is. No, we just we I, know. I keep hearing that. We yeah. just know that. I mean, that's gravity. I just threw my phone for everyone that's not in, <laughs> oh not here right now. Thanks for the science experiment. I wish I could video that and put it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's like one of the things that like flat Earth theory people like to talk about is like, well, if the Earth was spinning, we'd fly off it, right? And it's like <laughs> this isn't a fucking dinner table in the middle of a gun. But that's not how gravity works. But then it's like, well, fuck, do we know how gravity works? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a merry-go-round, I mean, and you can spin off that if you're really I mean, fucking I get drunk. It. Like the mass is the mass and weight is what's generating the gravitational pull and keeping us on the planet. Like, I understand that. But like, if you're also going to say that Newton's laws are wrong, it's like, Oh, okay. Jesus Christ. Please tell me how and why. Yeah. That's super annoying that they make that claim and just have no, nothing. Well, well, with all that being said, that's interesting because yeah, that's stuff to think about. However, we promised we wouldn't get very deep and here we are. We're kind of deep <laughs> with this stuff for the I most part. I didn't mean to drop so, this much. Oh, no, man. You're fine. You're fine. Um, so first of all, yeah, thank you again, Sue, for the call-in. That was fantastic. Uh, we promised you guys we're going to go into a quick little uh, history about movie monsters, basically. This is my favorite thing. We're going to do a quick little intro, and then uh, we're going to come back with a promo. But uh, I just want to say, you know, I love a lot of things. I love the way milk tastes when it's paired with French toast. I love a cold beer on a hot day. I love peanut butter, American Whip, and bologna sandwiches. And don't fucking judge me. You're you like judged. bologna sandwiches? Awesome. Dude, those disgusting. are fucking awesome, dude. No. Miracle Whip? Okay, we'll get into it later. Okay. But it's really fucking good. I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> anyway. Um, but one thing that I absolutely love is a good monster movie. And I know you guys do, too, because you we talk about it. Uh, like We yeah. just talked about Super 8, actually, earlier. Oh, yeah, I guess you know? technically that is kind of a monster movie, huh? Yeah, yeah, I think so for the most part. I guess I I separate aliens out from monsters for some reason. I don't know why. I kind of have to, I think, I, for the most part. But, you know, anyway. it is. but the world is chock full of them, and you would be surprised on just how long we had to have monster movies and probably a bit surprised on what some of the first few actually were. Some are famous, and if you don't know uh, who, say, Frankenstein is, then you were born under a rock, probably more than likely. Other monsters are not so famous, and some of the newer movie monsters are ones that even as recent as 10 years ago, you would not even have thought them to exist, uh, let alone make it to the big screen. Uh, So here at Strange Uncles, we wanted to share a love for the movie monster. No matter what your favorite type of movie is, we feel that almost everybody has a soft spot for a movie character on the silver screen. So sit back, grab some popcorn, and join us as we venture down the rabbit hole of the history of the movie monsters. Open the gates. Follow Strange Uncles down the rabbit hole of the wild and bizarre as they uncover history that shouldn't be talked about, topics that don't fit into the norm, and conspiracies that sometimes run amok. Find our website at mystrangeuncles.com, follow us on Twitter or Instagram at strangeuncles, or check out our YouTube channel, Strange Uncles Podcast, where we are adding new content every week. 
Open the gates. So it's amazing that we are in year 2019 and the idea of what we know as a movie is a fucking far cry from how cinematography started. The first technical film that was ever made was by two French brothers in 1888 when they put out the infamous Round Hay Garden scene. Even though it was only two seconds long, it was the first example of what we would eventually adapt into a movie of sorts. Uh, film continued to adapt and change and soon we were filming full-length silent films like The Trip to the Moon that came out in 1902. Uh, so just to put things into reference when it comes to ideas of introducing a monster onto the silver screen. It happened as early as 1915, believe it or not, which I was surprised with. Um, that was the release of The Gollum, directed by Paul Wigner. The Gollum was a German silent film that spun a story based on an ancient Jewish legend, where a creature was created to defend the Jewish people from the anti-Semites. Um, the Germans continued to lead the race on what the monster movie would become with the release of the infamous Nosferatu in 1922. Most of you more than likely believe this to be the first monster movie, and, yeah, I guess we guess, depending on how you feel, whether Gollum truly is a monster movie, uh, it can be argued that Nosferatu was truly the original horror film that set everything on pace. Officially known as uh, Nosferatu, a symphony of horror, it was based off a novel called Dracula by Bram Stoker, written in 1897. The story follows Count Orlok, played by Max Schreck, that would become our first story about Dracula and the love that would continue to this day on the idea of the vampire. Uh, did you guys see the movie that um, came out uh, not too long ago about the making of uh, Nosferatu? Uh, where they were basically saying Max Schreck was... Uh, was Nosferatu? It's it's not like serious. It's You're like not talking movie, about movie. the um, one uh, with Johnny Depp that was a black and whiter, uh, where no, he covers so. that story. No, okay. I don't think so. Anyway, never mind. Well, Sorry. Got a <clears throat> fun fact: the heirs of Stoker sued the creators of Nosferatu, obviously saying it was a knockoff of Bram's novel. Although the names like Dracula were changed to Count Orlok and the word vampire taken out and changed to Nosferatu, the courts ruled in favor of Bram Stoker's estate and ordered all copies of the film to be destroyed. However, there were a few prints that were saved, and it would be seven years later when Nosferatu was released in the United States. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. If you think about that. Ah, Jesus. So soon after, America started to get into the monster movie game. While the Germans, the French, and other cultures of the world were making movies and developing better ways to film, better equipment to film with, uh, America was behind the race when it came to the silent film, but not that far behind. As early as 1902, one of the first successful theaters was built in Pittsburgh. Uh, this would lead to thousands of these theaters, otherwise known as Nickelodeons. And fucking Nickelodeons. Why would they name Nickelodeons Nickelodeons? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Yes, Bueller? Uh... I'm guessing because it cost a nickel to uh, see the show. Yeah, <laughs> pretty accurate. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. So uh, fast forward to the time frame, roughly that Nosferatu was released to U.S. audiences. America started to get on the bandwagon in regards to the movie Monster Mayhem. In 1925, the infamous man of many faces, Lon Chaney Sr., gave us The Phantom of the Opera. And just before that, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. 
Lon Chaney Sr. would continue to drive the early monster movie characters as well as his son Lon Chaney Jr. after that. In 1931, Dracula and Frankenstein were released. Both of these movies still had some underlying German influence by how they were filmed and introduced a new kind of monster, a man-made one. Frankenstein, based off of the novel written by Mary Shelley in 1818, grew its own legs, much like the tale of Dracula. Many movies would come out throughout the years featuring this iconic monster originally played by Borlas Karloff, such as The Bride of Frankenstein, The Son of Frankenstein, and yada 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 it goes on the ghost of frankenstein there's tons you know they just kind of kind of reek in the bucks for i kind of feel bad for boris karloff in that time frame because that's talk about stereotyped that's <laughs> yeah, i don't fuck. know a lot what about else him, is he gonna do but i mean is that you like know? all he played was frankenstein that's pretty much all he played and then some investigators here and there that was kind of his thing uh horror people great mm-hmm. book on that if you guys are interested so i mean better than not having any acting career at all at all fair true. enough very true yeah better than my be. acting career <laughs> which is a little bit none yeah right <laughs> uh famous actors such as lon cheney jr all the way up to robert de Niro would play the role of frankenstein throughout the years fun fact universal studios as recently as 2017 decided that they would revive the whole classic monster thing by coming up with dark universe air quotes uh, this would be a side project to make new movies uh, using classic monsters such as the above-named Frankenstein, Dracula, Invisible Man, etc. Uh, the first movie to be released under this title was the remake of The Mummy with Tom Cruise, and uh, I didn't finish it. It was... Uh, it was awful. I couldn't I, do yeah. it, dude. I'm uh, so sorry. I keep wanting to finish it, and I just can't. Um, anyway, they I should- mean, the chick is hot. Yeah, it's but the other than that, girl it's like, from uh, uh, the first Kingsman movie that has the like blade legs. Anyway, I kinda, oh, was it her? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I kind of liked it. Did you? Uh, like, Aubrey made me turn it off. Like I, <laughs> and then I kept wanting to go back and finish it, and was like, ah, but it was so dumb. Nothing. Nothing. Like yeah. it definitely wasn't the best movie I've ever seen, but I was thoroughly entertained. Okay. Well, that also kind of plays into my how I hate Tom Cruise, but he is an amazing actor. God damn it. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a great movie. Son of a bitch. It wasn't a great movie, but But fun. I liked it. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give that. It was Um, sad because I knew that's what kicked it off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So despite their efforts, the dark universe idea got put back on the shelf and who knows when it will continue to be unwrapped or brought back from the grave. (laughs) Get it? All, all stupid. Fuck off. <laughs> but no, uh, I like that idea. Did you guys see I Frankenstein? Yeah, I it didn't was think that so was bad, dumb, but I liked it a lot. Um, see, that was a movie that I was like, that just looks so stupid. It's it's dumb as fuck, but it's so much fun. Yeah. Uh, it's I'd... well, it's what was Hugh Jackman in fucking what like eight years ago when Wolverine kicked off Van Helsing. Oh, I oh, love that show. I thought that was so great. That's just me. Maybe it was a hot chicks in it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I. Well, I'm sure that is like kind of a for, key component to monster <laughs> movies. I kind of forgot problem. about that movie, but I think I, I think I had fun with that movie. Yeah, too. it was fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was too bad. Good um, Halloween flick type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Nosferatu, the the Bram Stoker's Dracula wasn't Tom Cruise in that one, or was it? Right. No. Or am I getting an interview with the vampire? Confused? You're getting an interview with the yes. vampire. Keanu Reeves was Kevin in there. Yes, he yeah. was in there. And Christina Ricci. That movie was No, it was incredible. Keanu and Winona Ryder, wasn't it? 
I think so. Why not? Oh, yeah. Oh, and you know I who else was on it that MPO. nobody, you got my favorite, one of my favorite artists. Remember the scenes where the guy was in prison that was his bitter and he would, I'm going to help you, my master. I'm oh, coming. Yeah. Yeah. You know who that was? Who? Tom Waits. Oh, crap. Fucking yeah. wow. he pops up in the weirdest fucking places. Yeah, that's dude. awesome. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, too amazing. Too cool. Um, the U.S. continued its stride in releasing the classic horror icons like The Mummy in 1932 and The Invisible Man in 1933, which was based off of an H.G. Wells story. King Kong was also a big release. Ah, get it? Big. Ah, whatever. That was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Like, it, like the, the 1976 original, the one, which we mentioned, it was really fucking good. That came out in 1970, uh, 1933. Yeah, that one. Me and my dad watched it. Yeah, all with the like time. the oh, that's cool. Uh, the claymation Kong. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Have you seen Kong. Kong Skull Island? Uh, yeah. I don't mind that. That wasn't bad. I watched like half of it at Red Rock, oh, getting okay. brunch well, one day. The but 30s version will always it. be my favorite. That's cool. Uh, King Kong would turn out to actually help redefine what a movie monster really was. And just like the movies talked about previously, would make remade time and time and time again because it just was iconic. Uh, my personal fave, and I mentioned this before, 1976, Jeff Bridges was in a remake of King Kong. And it was fucking phenomenal. I loved it. Wait, is... Oh, yeah, I think I've seen that and his co-star is hot and... Yeah, and I don't know. I can't remember what her name was, but yeah, there was uh, there was more to that. I might be thinking of that or like the original Mighty Joe Young. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> well, this is what's funny. We, we mentioned this a little bit. A few other notables that surprisingly hasn't been remade as much as others mentioned is The Wolfman in 1941, starring the one and only Lon Chaney Jr. Now, it was remade uh, after the fact. I think Benicio Del Toro was in it. I think yep. Jack Nixon yeah. played a role of like was, Wolfen type thing. It was really good, but also it's one of those so bad it's good movies. Yeah, like exactly. It was super dumb, but it was way fun. Yeah. Um, so quick note in regards to monster movies and certain eras. And, and that's kind of why we cover the gamut. Again, we don't really get in depth that we cover generic of where we're at. Uh, not only monster movies, but movies in general have long been known to somewhat match the feeling or issues of the country or even the world at the time is going through. Um, you know, if we have like 76, for example, the King Kong movie, uh, we had a fuel crisis at the time. So the premise of the movie was we're going to go to this Island to find oil. I mean, nobody really catches that because they just assume it's another monster movie, but there's something behind it. And I think that plays with the errors and in, in what's happening And that even nowadays we do yeah. the same thing, you know, it's similar. So, um, I've heard something, I don't know how accurate it is, but that like uh, zombie movies are more popular when, uh, I'm probably going to get this backwards, but like zombie themed stuff is more popular when uh, Democrats are in power and vampire stuff is more popular when Republicans are in power. <laughs> I heard about that shit, dude. That goes back to the survey we covered like yeah, what last episode? Of like, oh, what are the follow-up questions? <laughs> fucking crazy. So... With all that being said, soon we stepped into late 40s, early 50s, and we find ourselves in what is known as the Atomic Age. Our fascination for UFOs, uh, which <laughs> I guess now still, was all the rave and was a whole idea of nuclear energy. And of course, the films that would mimic exactly the thought of the nation. The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, uh, released in 1953, was a story about a beast that awakened by an atomic bomb test. And a slew of atomic-based monster movies were released throughout the 50s, like Them, it came from beneath the sea, the, the thing, and the list goes on. An interesting turn of events happened in Japan around the same time frame that would quickly set a cornerstone in the whole monster mayhem world. And that would be Godzilla. 
That was showed to the world in 1954. Godzilla would become one of the most iconic running monsters that we know of. There even is a new Godzilla being released this year, which um, we saw, which I saw. I don't know if you guys did. Uh, I didn't. Did you like it? I thought it was pretty good. Although compared to the, what's his name? in um, uh, The Matthew Broderick 1994 one. Oh, my God, where it was a female pregnant. Now, fuck off, dude. No, um, I didn't see that one. I liked, uh, I liked the one that came out a couple years ago. That was with, who am I? Breaking Bad. What, what, oh, yeah, Brian Cranston was yes. there for like a minute. Yeah. Well, it wasn't bad. It was pretty good. This one, I think they kind of did a, a good thing. But, you know, it amazes me. But there is a uh, there's a fun fact that we want to cover on this one, too. Yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Godzilla has an amazing history of releasing 33 movies based of the character. The original Godzilla shared a storyline in regards uh, with what happened to Hiroshima during World War II. Uh, the original producer Tomoyuki Tanaka stated this about the original film. The theme of the film from the beginning was the terror of the bomb. Mankind had created the bomb, and now nature was going to take revenge on mankind. Which is kind of, if you think about it, that's crazy. Yeah. In its own right, you know. So, <clears throat> every error brings another error. In the mid-60s, a new genre of scary movies would take off in Hollywood but ultimately fail. This would be the introduction of the Z movie, low-budget movies that were cranked out one shitty story after another. <laughs> a lot of people like this era of movies. Me, personally, no. Half of them weren't even worth the material they were filmed on, but it was so cheap at that time because of technology. You could broom out fucking films in a matter of fucking days. It was no big deal. There were some notable studios that survived for quite a while during this time frame, namely Hammer Studios. Hammer Studios kept the flame alive and even is being brought back to life in a weird way. Other movies will begin to introduce the idea of a person actually becoming a monster. A good example would be Psycho, released in 1960. The whole idea of a person becoming the monster would not stop here. It would continue, and as decades changed, would become scarier than the idea of a walking mummy or a vampire. Just ask Hannibal Lecter. Right? Yeah. There we are. Uh, it should be noted here that the other scary thing that a human can turn into is a zombie. Thanks to George Romero for opening the zombie floodgates in 1968 with Night of the Living Dead. One of the best movies ever. Oh, fucking yeah. dude. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. You know, fucking love it. Next to Shaun of the Dead. Shaun, <laughs> Shaun of the Dead is one of my Shaun favorite fucking movies. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, zombies seem to be the fad nowadays, so the last uh, thing we're going to do is waste your time covering them here because there are a metric fuckton of zombie oh, yeah. movies. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. So as we roll out of the 50s, 60s uh, time frame, most of the movies have something either to do with radiated giant bugs or space aliens that were coming to destroy Earth. We shifted gears yet again in our culture and moved into the 70s where movies such as Jaws, directed by Steven Spielberg in 1975, will come out of the ocean to bite us in the ass. Yeah, not really, but still. Uh, not really a monster movie. movie. <laughs> did that fuck you up? That fucked me up so bad I can't fucking See, go on boats. it didn't do that for me. I think that was that movie was a cultural phenomenon. People thought there was yeah. a shark in the swimming pool. Yeah. So I that means could like not take a bath the beach is for like two weeks yeah. after I saw that movie when I was a little yeah. kid. Like, and which is kind of sad because I think it has. I think sharks are awesome. Yeah. And I think it made. And I think they're very important for the ecosystem. Uh, yeah. The world will and, die without sharks. Yeah. Like, and uh, so I, I think. 
the movie was amazing, but it definitely made people fear sharks for no real reason, dude. That, uh, now we have like Shark Week on so, Discovery yeah. every year. Fun fact about Jaws: um, the animatronic shark was named Todd. Which, Shut up! I don't like. You can't be scared anymore when it's named Todd. <laughs> Hey, Secondly, uh, it was breaking all the time, and it didn't work very well, which yes. is why uh, you never see it. Yeah, which made the movie that much fucking scarier. Yeah, and they—that's funny. That was that was Steven Spielberg, kind of like, well, ugh, we like this thing is broken. We can't ever see it, yeah. so we're just gonna show a fin. And I mean, that ended up working out way Yeah, yeah, and it was more. just a Dude, fit. Like, cause you, and it scared the shit I, out of that, people. Half the time it was just like showing people. Like, oh, yeah. Showing the camera being underwater and yeah. like seeing it go through people's legs and stuff. Like mm-hmm. you're basically getting the shark's point of view. And like most wink, people, wink. I think uh, back in that time, if, unless you lived near the water, didn't understand that sharks would come into like knee deep water and fucking bite motherfuckers yeah but you're also more likely to get struck by lightning than get attacked by a shark yeah, yeah. Well, like stay out of the ocean Jesus everybody hippos, then, you'll ne- I've, then you'll never get hippos adorable fat ass hippos kill more people in a year than sharks killed in a fucking the last 30 well, years according but, to josh stay out of the bathtubs too you well yeah can't do dude, any of that so i am not afraid of water I can swim very well, but I am afraid of water I can't see the bottom of because of fucking Jaws. Yeah. I was in the Navy, and I can't fucking swim a lick. What the fuck, so dude? So there's that. That's another story altogether. Yeah, one, one of these, of these days, days we're going to have to talk about that shit. <laughs> Is, Is that, that why you're fucking not fun? in the Navy now? No. <laughs> well, kidding. maybe. I'm just kidding. <laughs> in the Navy, Shane, okay, Shane can't even fucking swim. <laughs> oh, my God. So finally, special effects will catch up to Hollywood ideas. Special effects started making considerable leaps and bounds in the late 70s, early 80s, and would help yet again reinvent the Hollywood monster. 1979 became the year that Alien was released. Finally, a monster that was made up from scratch, a xenophobic alien that scared uh, the piss out of me when I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. It was like something out of, uh, well, it was uh, was awful. Like, and our creativity was just like, the imagination went crazy. Alien was terrifying. Yeah. Alien still is terrifying, but still. Also, Sigourney Weaver is hot. What? That's weird. Don't say shit like that. You guys don't think Sigourney Weaver is hot? Not even like When was the last time? Not even a ghost. Have you watched Aliens, Alien when you were like a grown up? Dude, Sigourney Weaver has new. Edit that out. Whatever. <laughs> you can leave that shit in. I don't care. <laughs> so this Fucking whole <laughs> president of the Sigourney Weaver fan club over here. This whole alien was based off a design of a Swiss-born H.R. Giger, uh, the originator from a f- uh, lithograph entitled Necronom 4, which I find badass. I think that's a cool name, nothing else. Um, Italian-born special effects master Carlo Rambaldi would be the one to breathe life in the creature we saw in the movies. The monster would instantly become a classic and spawn 11 sequels, some involving the aliens specifically and a few that would blend in the Predator monster that would be introduced in 1987. And then there was 80s, which I fondly remember. I, I love 80s. I fondly horror. remember. <laughs> Who so, are you fondling in the 80s, Shane? Myself. No, anybody that didn't have a fucking knife for hands. Fucking weird, amazing time in our history. So why wouldn't the new monster be part of that? Uh, the vampire myth was reinvented yet again in 1985's Fright Night. 
along with adding the terrifying new creatures from the mix like Tremors that came out in 1989. Oh, I love Tremors. Yeah, that movie's Sorry. great. I Fantastic. Oh, fucking watched the shit out of that. Hands up with that motherfucker. Uh, well, maybe giant carnivorous earthworms isn't really that terrifying. I, I still I think that's kind of terrifying. Land sharks, basically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, but Kevin Bacon put his all into it. Yeah, so there's that. Uh, we also saw old-fashioned monsters get a comedy reboot of sorts during this time. Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein and Chevy Chase's Memoirs of an Invisible Man are classic spinoffs of old, scary, to somewhat new funny. Um, other movies like Jurassic Park franchise, which we're all fair aware of, uh, brought giant beasts back to life. In a little bit of different ways, King Kong or Godzilla... Let's not forget the plethora of 80 movies that were B-budget. This was the time of the B-budget movies. There were so many of them that I can't even wrap my, my mind around, to be honest with you. Um, Critters, Ghoulies, Chud, Toxic Avenger. <laughs> oh, Chud. D- does that mean know what Chud stands for, by yeah. the way? Cannibalistic Humanoid Underdwellers. <laughs> I knew you would know, Josh. I knew that. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Pumpkinhead, Gremlins, Graboids. Uh, Graboids actually was from Tremors. So the thing in the crate of the creep show, which I never knew what that was, but very interesting, you know, for the most part. Uh, what creep show was or the thing in the crate? The thing in the crate. I don't remember creep show well enough to. Oh, creep show one and two. That's my, two is my fucking favorite. The hitcher. Can I get a ride lady? Remember that? Is, is creep show the one that had like an episode where like some rich dude, like, Buried people up to their necks, yep. and then the tide that's the first came one. In. That's the first one. The second one. I remember better. that, but that's all I remember. Yeah, uh, Hal Needham, I think, was it? Yeah, Ted Danson was in that too. I think yeah, I remember Ted. Right. Good um, old Ted. But uh, I follow a, an account on Twitter called the Institute of Gremlins Two Studies, <laughs> and it's not satire. <laughs> it's do. deadly fucking serious. I'm sure, and it like posits all of my existential dread about the world through the prism of Joe Dante's masterpiece, Gremlins 2, The New Batch. It's fucking amazing. Oh, my God. You know the remake of that, by the way. The new Gremlins is coming out. As long as they don't remake Gremlins 2. Josh, answer me this. motherfucker. Josh, answer me this. Do you uh, find the lady Gremlin hot? Yeah. She has an earring. And red lipstick, so I mean... Oh, I forgot yeah. about the lipstick. She kind of reminds me of Scorny Weaver. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I Listen, gotta mark that, that's too much. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna fucking watch the end of Alien, and I'm uh, going to like point out why Sigourney Weaver is hot. You do that. You do that for us. You whatever sure you, you, whatever you gotta do, man. Whatever also, you have you oh, not seen God. Ghostbusters? What the fuck is wrong with you, dude? I have, dude, fucking 500 times over. I just can't. It's like people that say, oh my God, um, what was it? Record Picture Show. Susan Sarandon's so hot. She's pretty hot in that. Ew. Susan Sarandon's way hotter than Sigourney Weaver. Thank you. Way. But not okay. hot. So here's Sigourney the thing. Just on a level. Before this descends into like a I mean, cesspool of fucking I swear to God, we're going three dudes cuffs. in a fucking bedroom. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we're definitely so, the plane is crash landing when, into the building. <laughs> when I was a kid in the 80s, like I, I always thought that like all of the women in these movies looked really old and was like, they're not hot at all. And then I go back and watch these movies as a grown up and I'm like, oh, my it God, was their haircuts because they had haircuts like older women that I didn't 
I don't know. I didn't get, I don't know. Anyway. You can make sense out if you want to. I, I, I'm just I saying, when I was a kid, I didn't think they were hot. And then I watched them as a grown-up and was like, that's what grown-ups look like. I get it. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, let's continue. Well, yeah, agree can, to yeah. disagree. Yeah, yeah, I get, yeah, exactly. No, I'm keeping that shit in. So the idea of US being the monster and stretch it even further, Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th franchise is a perfect example. Even though the first one really is about the fucked up mom, because it was, she was trying mm. to protect her son, right, yeah. for the most part, um, this Avenge, would become epic, you know, and still does to this day. Other newly introduced monsters would come out of the 80s. Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street, Chucky from Child's Play, Michael Myers from Halloween, Candyman, which, again, they're remaking that one too. Oh, oh no. They are. No. excited. That's cool. I hated that movie. This is the first. I've never seen that one. I hate to admit that, but I've never seen there Candyman. There was like a mirror strapped, like built into the wall in my bedroom when I was a kid when that movie came out, and like I didn't sleep for like a fucking year. Wow, that's your parents' fault. They fucking. Well, yeah, my parents horrible. didn't know I watched fucking Candyman. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah, that one was scary. <sighs> yeah, that movie fucked me up pretty bad. Um, Puppet Master, Pinhead. That fucked me up. Hellraiser. Holy shit. Never seen a Hellraiser movie. Oh my really? God. You got to watch two. We got to sit down and watch two. The first time I saw Nightmare on Elm Street, all the way through, I was in jail. You were you went to jail? Yeah, dude. Let's edit that out. Rebel. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, just to name a few. Um, of course, we continue to rehash all the old classics in one form or another every decade, right up to the present. Uh, how about starting on a human only to become the monster we fear? Again, zombies are a good start. But let's not forget a staple for the 80s, The Fly. Yes. Jeff Goldblum, yes. right? Yes, love that one. Released in 1986, uh, or even previous one released in 1958, which was a remake uh, with Vincent Price. Help me. Oh, God. Even though it really doesn't classify as an actual monster per se, us here at Strange Uncles need to mention that the Evil Dead series, the character Ash, and what followed with a demonic cabin in the woods in the book of the Necronomicon. Necronomicon? Ne- <laughs> I can never say that. Listen, it's uh, not... It's not Craig. It's Necronomicon. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fucking amazing. Holy, but amazing. We stepped in the 90s and the 2000s that continue to either carry the flame of the old remakes, although arguably some of these reboots were very well done and a nice spin to them, I think. Take Vampires. I like Vampires with John Carpenter. Uh, was that with... Uh... Willem Dafoe? No, that was with... No, it was with James Woods. Yes, it was with James Woods. And you know what? Yeah, fucking what it is. But um, a good example of a nice spin, or say Dracula Untold. I like Dracula Untold. Anybody see that? Uh, I didn't. I no. thought it looked I've fun. never even heard of it. Oh, it's fucking fantastic. It came out like a couple years ago, right? So, oh God, no, like eight, nine years ago. It's that one of those things ago? where it goes back before he actually is a vampire of sorts, and it explains the story of how he ended up how he to became Dust It's Vampire. really, really, you'd be surprised. Really good. Check it, it out. I thought it looked fun. Yeah. I just never watched it. I just never. It's, even... it's a prequel, you know, if you will. It's really good. Just never even heard of it. Yeah. Well, it just adds to the whole thing with Dracula because out of. 2014. Uh, well, 2014. There you go. Yeah. If um, we talk about all these classic monsters, like how they are, which ones actually still merit work? In this day and age, and I think that's what's funny, but we'll talk about it. 
Um, the discovery of found footage became, and I guess still is, a new kid on the block. Great examples include Cloverfield, Blair Witch Project, yada yada. We go down the list. Uh, let's for not forget about the Creeper in Jeepers Creepers that debuted in 2001 and scared the living shit out of me. That was a fucked up show, by the way. Um, you know what scared the living shit out of me it was Blair Witch Project. Dude, it just oh. had its 20th anniversary. When that like, came out last week or the week before. Oh, I think crazy. I was in, when we were originally going to do this. That was that week. Yeah. I think I was in seventh grade when Blair Witch Project came out. And I remember I thought it was real. I remember going yeah. to the theater and like, you know, I mean, I'm 12, 13. Because that was the beginning of this found thing. Yeah. You didn't know. They, yeah. Like, oh, the my God. Kicked it off. Yeah. Like they found this movie. And like I went into this thinking that this was a real thing. 13 years old. And I watched it in the theaters. And I was Fucking terrifying! Well, you know what the and fuck at the they end, did? when the dude is standing, facing they, in the corner, the way, I was like, "They went, dude." I left that theater hard. like I left that theater just like, "What the fuck, dude?" They went hard on the like promoting it being Thank found you. footage thing. Like they oh, set yeah. up a website that was like, "Have you seen me?" Like these oh, yeah. people have been missing. No, no, so no. Wait, and... let, let's specify. They didn't go hard on the found footage thing. They went hard on the we're gonna drive into we're taking this off an actual legend. Yeah, we're taking this off actually what happened. They went to the town. They talked to people. They like it was this whole thing. We want to investigate you. Like it looked like it was one of those. Oh my god, they're taking something that really happened and they're putting it on film. Mm -hmm. Like it was amazing. But I mean, the marketing when the movie was coming out, they went hard on the like. Amazing. This is a real thing. And And yeah, yeah, they made a movie for practically nothing, too. Yeah. Oh, dude, it it more than not even quintupled. The fucking profit. They sold it for like a million dollars, and I remember that being huge. Yeah, and I think it I think was that made was, for like 120 like the, something thousand. It was I, fucking ridiculous. I feel like it was even less than that. Um, I don't have it in front yeah. of me, but I remember. Even if I have, even though I have a laptop right in front of me, I'm not going to fact check myself. <laughs> uh, I want to say that at the time that movie sold at Sundance, it was the most a Sundance movie had been picked up for. Wow. Oh. By a lot. Yeah. And it was like when I was reading an article about it the other day on the 20th anniversary, it was like it said they sold it for like 1.3 million or something. And I was like, only that? That blows my mind. That's fucking crazy. Well done, Hollywood Monsters. Killed. I'm just saying, well done. Well I done. mean, for the, and there's so many that we didn't really touch. You know, just it's amazing. Um, let's take yeah, time we didn't now. Talk about Monster Squad, or I know, I know Monster we Squad. Could, this could be like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I, that's a thing. This I is mean, yeah. this is a very generic wrapped up thing. We could basically make an entire podcast on this subject, and there yeah. is entire podcast yeah. on this subject. So we're <laughs> so not going to gonna get deal through with it. it but, you know, yeah. But the reason we did this a little bit is because of the interview uh, we had with a special effects artist and. You know, we felt we owed him kind of, uh, you know, thank you of sorts. But what we want to do on the end of this, and hopefully I don't fuck this up because there's so many going on. Uh, let's take this time now to give thanks and recognition to the actors and directors who gave us these infamous monsters throughout the years. Again, we're probably missing a lot, um, but it, it just would, it would be literally the whole fucking podcast, like John said. Um, I think in the future, Strange Juggles, we can go into this. If we want a fun episode, yeah. we can like pick a... Genere era, you know, and we can go forth. Genre. Genre. Oh, Greg. Craig. Yeah. <laughs> and we can go from there. 
Um, here we go. Notables, and not only directors, writers, special effects people, uh, but just everybody involved. Fucking fantastic. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Bo Lugosi for Dracula. Boris Kala from Frankenstein and the Mummy. Lon Chaney Sr. for Hunchback of Notre Dame and Phantom of the Opera, among others. Lon Chaney Jr. for Wolfman and others. Claude Rains for Staying Quiet and Invisible. Get it? Peter Cushing for all the Hammer films and Dracula's as well as Christopher Lee. Vincent Price for just fucking being Vincent Price. He's fucking amazing. Yeah. John Landis for his creativity. Wes Craven for reinventing dreams. Jaron Carpenter for casting. Alice Cooper in The Prince of Darkness, which was fucking awesome. Made my day. Sam Raimi for The Flying Eye. Rob Zombie for his fucking crazy brain. Toby Hooper for his reinvention of true human horror. David Cronenberg for his shifting to the macabre. Robert England because, well, fuck. Clive Barker. Yeah, just saying. Guillermo del Toro for his work in inventing amazing creatures of cinema. Rich Baker for his work in American Werewolf in London. And last but not least, for actors who scared me and us into believing that they were more than actors, but truly connected for something supernatural. Jack Nicholson, Anthony Hopkins, Sam Nielsen, Bruce Campbell, Linda Blair... And folks, it goes on and on. If we forgot something, which I'm sure we did, you can write strangeuncles at gmail.com and you can add it to our list. That is a brief history and synopsis of movie monsters. And I just want to go back real quick about how much it costs to make Blair Witch. Oh, did you look that shit up? Roughly $60,000. Damn. And I doubled the budget when I said 120. Yeah. Jesus. You literally doubled the budget so it grossed worldwide 248,639,099 dollars and that was in like 1998 or something 1999 right? yeah so its first week um it made 29,207,381 dollars and they made it for $60,000 and that changed the face of movie making right there. Yeah. I remember oh, yeah. it being such a huge deal. Yeah. And also to go back to uh, Sam Raimi and Army of Darkness and Evil Dead, those are definitely monster movies. Oh, they are. They are. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, we didn't. I don't think we left them out. I think it's just when you look at the classic monster movie, I guess, is what we want to focus on. But still, I'm with you completely. You know, yeah, they're also like those are two of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, me yeah. too. But that can fall into the the a uh, the like the the B reel that you mentioned, right. yeah, and, um, and all of that. So, but yeah, yeah, yeah. that is great. Well said, well said. You know, I think in general, I mean, I love a good horror movie. I know you guys do too. Um, we had the privilege actually of interviewing a Tom Devlin. Uh, he runs a monster museum in Boulder City, Nevada. Uh, he's been a special effects guy for years and years. He's worked on X-Files. He's worked on Toxic, Toxic Adventure. He's worked on all kinds of other things. And uh, he kind of, not that he doesn't do it anymore, but he backed off a little bit and decided he wanted to spend time with family. So he made this museum and uh, he invented everything in the museum, everything that's in there. We toured it, my wife and I, and it's, it's just fucking amazing. And uh, had a chance to actually get an interview with him and his view of what special effects was, uh, the monster movies are originally. And uh, we're going to have that interview coming up right now. So enjoy. (laughs) 
first of all, I will say, uh, uh, impressive. Very awesome. impressive. I didn't know, recognize your face, and I apologize for that, but your name has been plastered on everything from the X-Files credits that I remember. Well, and that, that right there is how a makeup effects artist should, you know, what? we should be able to... You know, you shouldn't know who we are except for our name in the credits. And nowadays it's become with social media and, and some of the reality shows and stuff, people know who these effects artists are. But when I grew up, I thought V. Neal was a guy. Like, I didn't know. <laughs> Unless you saw a picture of an effects artist in the uh, in the back of a uh, Fangoria magazine or, or like, uh, Full Moon's uh, got the video zone that had, like, little bits of effects artists. It was very hard to... I mean, everybody knew Rick Baker. Everybody knew Stan Winston or Dick Smith. Yeah, but, sure, sure. Uh, or the guys that would show up on Letterman like Tom Savini, but right. for the most part, nobody knows what Kevin Yeager looks like or John Vulich right. or many of the greats, you know. Yeah, yeah but I, I think that's kind of a shame, personally, you know, because honestly, uh, you, you know, you guys put in the hard, I think the hardest work more than anything. And Tom Savini, you know, his name pops up just because he's, he kind of, I don't know, snuck his way or he's, he's been part of everything. He's a rock star. But he's a rock star. You yeah. hear his name all over, but you guys should have more credit than you, than you really yeah, do. Yeah, you know, I... I kind of like both ways. I, I like, of course, you want to get the credit for what you've done, but uh, I like uh, moving around in the shadows and making the magic. And you know, that's we're a tool for the director. You know, that's yeah. the way I look at it. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of effects guys step up to direct, and then that's kind of cool too because you get both sides of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, so um, let's cover, if you don't mind, some background. So, how long have you been doing it? I've been professionally doing it 19 years. Um, I always tell people 20, but it's been about 19 years. Round it off. Yeah. And uh, um, since I was a little kid, I messed around with it, you know, in my bedroom. I, I had all the Savini Grand Illusion books when I was like 14 and grew up making severed heads and cool. stuff. So uh, it's just all I ever really wanted to do and uh, got a very early start uh, when I was 18. And um, I was working on, like you mentioned, X-Files. I was a kid. I was 19, 20 years old on X-Files, season eight and nine. And uh, from there, I've, I did the biggest movies of my career, Red Dragon, Terminator 3, Charlie's Angels 2, uh, The Scorpion King. Like, the biggest movies were in my infancy. You know, I was, I was a kid. I was 20 years old. And then in 2002, I started my own company, 1313 FX, where I focused on more oh, cool. low-budget horror films. You sure. know, Full Moon, Trauma, The Asylum. I spent a lot of time with them. And uh, and independent films with independent filmmakers that have been great. Uh, there's a guy named Travis Betts, and I do all his films. And um, still active. Yeah. Still. Oh, yep. fantastic. Yep. We did our first movie together in 2002. That started 1313 Effects. It was called Joshua, and Fangoria ended up distributing it. It was a great little horror film, shot on film. Like that's rare these days. And uh, and from that we did a movie that we self-produced called Low. We did a movie called The Dead Inside. Uh, recent that group we 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 will work together forever. So, well, that's yeah. really cool to be able to work with people that you'd you'd have that camaraderie oh, with. Yeah. You know, it's more of a family than it is a job. Yeah, and the know? cool thing is when you find a director early on in their career that you mesh with, the effects artist represents the director's style. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, that's a Tim Burton movie." That's because his art department right. can match his vision, right. and they've defined his style. So. Uh, with like Travis Betts and Ward Roberts, when it comes to, uh, and a guy named John Lechago I work with all the time, we're about to do a pretty big project together. Uh, when it comes to those guys, like our style is together, mm -hmm. you know, so when you trust that director and the director trusts you, you can really define that style together and, right. Uh, right. 
Yeah. That's too cool. Yeah. Well, let's um I just had the pleasure of walking through your museum. First of all, phenomenal. You know, I, I will admit that it's been I've been trying to get up here for two years to do it, even when you first opened two thousand seventeen, right? Well I'm glad you waited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it well, gets better. It gets better sure, all the time. Sure. We're always improving it. And yeah. right now we're doing a big new area that's all silent film, uh silent features and oh, that's uh, neat. Nosferatu, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, yeah. Yeah. really cool stuff. So always with time it's getting better and better right. and better right yeah well i especially number one just a, a well laid out setup you know and then seeing all of your presentations from which we can talk about a little bit i'll, I'll ask you that but uh thank you for paying tribute to the old guys too yeah, you know the lon cheney and uh bella lugosi and and all that that work that you did to make those presentations and that's, work. that's where with even the silent film we're step we will have more lon cheney and and a lot of the german expressionist stuff and stepping even further back sure. in time because my pride is the education of makeup effects mm -hmm. and that's what the the museum is there to preserve the art and history of practical effects so uh that's everything from you know people say why do you have ninja turtles in your museum <laughs> well they were groundbreaking and brian right. henson jim henson's son mm -hmm. uh designed animatronics that uh, i mean these guys were doing full-on martial arts with remote control heads. It was crazy. Right. And the foam latex was tinted green. For the first time, we tinted foam latex because every time it would tear, it'd be bright white. Right. And uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so by changing tinting foam latex, you'll notice from that point on, monsters change. You get yeah. Hellboy. You got, I mean, stuff that... Right. Like we didn't, everything looked like Freddy Krueger before where it was like yellows and purples and pinks, you know, yeah. and that's because foam is yellowy white, you know, <laughs> and so it... It's pretty cool. There, there's groundbreaking elements. But stepping back to the classics, without Lon Chaney, we wouldn't be here. Without the man, the man of many faces. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, everybody knows Boris Karloff played the Frankenstein's monster. But sure. not many people know the name Jack Pierce, who created Frankenstein's monster, the mummy, the wolfman. Right. I mean, uh, these are the people that are important. John Chambers, who, who without Planet of the Apes, we may never have got a Freddy Krueger because film latex was not widely used before Planet of the yeah. Apes. So. Yeah. Uh, the classics to me are the most important, you know. So when you think about it, I mean, obviously you're still doing this, which is just phenomenal that you do. I, I mean, I, I can imagine, you know, people talk about going to work. Oh, I got a clock and I got a clock out. This isn't work. It, I, it doesn't sound like it to me. To you, but, it's not. Okay. Um, and I've had highs and lows. And I'll tell you what, I've come up to a real, I lost a hero this year, uh, a John Beekler, who's probably my favorite effects artist of all time and the guy I strive to be you know he's not Rick Baker but he's John Beekler and and like I always kind of root for the underdog you know and uh when he passed away I sat and listened to legends of the craft talk about their time with John and it it just sunk in that I've been doing this for 19 years which which I prior to this would act like I've been doing this for a long time right right and now I realize I got 30 years ahead of me you yeah, know like yeah. I'm yeah. still in kindergarten, yeah. you know, yeah. so uh, there has been times in my career where I, I never had um, financial goals. I had uh, like occupational goals. I wanted to work with this director, this actor, and I worked with all my heroes. I've had I have had uh, ties to everybody that inspired me to do this. That is awesome. But then at like 30, you realize but I'm still scrounging. I'm, this is still hard. Right. Like, it's not a glamorous job. And then I ended up on Face Off, and everybody's like, oh, it's so great you were on the show. What are you going to do next? And I'm like, uh, the same thing I did before? <laughs> like, 
we uh, I've been doing this for at that time 10 years I thought I had a career what I didn't realize is I'll look back at face off someday and realize it was the beginning I just didn't have it in perspective until literally like the last uh, three months I've really I, I have a grasp on uh, my company 1313 effects has been around since 2002 but by the time it's 2040 Mm-hmm. Like thirteen, thirteen effects right. will be known like K and B. You right. know, it's yeah. it's a there's a long road. It, it's planting your footprint. So that you know? is coming from you saying, oh, it's not a job. I mean, it is to me. Like I have deadlines that are super serious. It's other people's sure. money, sure. and if I don't have something ready to work on the day that it works, and if it doesn't work, I'm wasting all the gaffers, all the grips, all the everybody's time that's on set. The AD, the script supervisor. They can't do their job if the head doesn't explode. Right. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. A, the head has to be there. needs to look phenomenal, and it needs to explode. And uh, I work on super low budgets with very little time. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, yeah, you're, you're, I'm like, I don't want to go to bed tonight because that <laughs> means I have to wake up tomorrow and get back to yeah. freaking work. Yeah. So it is a job. Yeah. I, I've never had another job. This yeah. is I've done this since high school. Yeah. And, um, and so... Sometimes the grass is greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. I tried to go get a real job at a motorcycle shop and check out of Hollywood, and I realized I don't <laughs> it know did, how. It didn't work. It doesn't. <laughs> no, this is my life. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm back, and, and we, uh, I mean, I was only gone for a couple months, but, yeah, yeah. It's still, but it's, uh, the, yeah. we opened the museum. This is where it, it fixed me having a normal job. It gave me time to think and not have that immense responsibility and go, okay, so how do I still have fun doing what I'm doing, not mm-hmm. worry about the bills and the uh, you know, lack of budget at the level I work mm-hmm. at, and still feed my family? Right. And that's, right. when, be that's where I yeah. came up with the Monster Museum. Yeah. And the Monster yeah. Museum, it, it brings, generates income, sure. and then the, uh, the effects, I can have fun with it again. It's not as stressful. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not nickel and diming everything to the point where the quality doesn't go on the screen. Right. So it's a tough balance. Well, um, I, so I got a question when you talk about um, your past and things and, and, you know, being on a, on a closed schedule, making sure things work correctly. Name, not one, you have, you have a couple, obviously, but what was one time that you were on a project that it looked like everything was just going off the, just off the fucking tracks, but everything came back on at the end of the day? It worked. So and everything there, came together. There was a movie I was on. This is years ago, and uh, I haven't even thought about this movie in a long time. It's called Are You Scared? Um, it was it. like a knockoff of Saw. It was a direct sure. Hollywood video uh, Lionsgate feature. Uh, the director was really cool. As, or The director was not super cool. The producer was very cool. His name is Mike Pfeiffer, and I worked with him a lot. He, he helped me a lot at the beginning of my career. We did some great movies together. Um, and he was a director as well as a producer. But on this potential one, there was a, a director who, the entire crew who traveled around with Mike Pfeiffer making his movies as a director and a producer, we loved each other. We had a blast. We get on this one, and most of that crew didn't get along with that director. Oh. And so nothing was coming together. Everything was falling apart. And the director didn't trust me at all. And looking back, I'd only been doing it for a couple of years. Like, sure. I get it now. Sure. Uh, yeah. I'm, I have an ego. I'm an artist. Right. You have to, to make it in what I do, you have to walk in and act like you're the best. Yeah. You know, that confidence sells, and I don't lack in confidence. So at that time, I was so, like, grumpy that this guy just didn't believe in what I was doing. I was applying these beautiful burn makeups on this guy, uh, the main, like, baddie or whatever. And it wasn't until 
we had an in-camera effect where where an axe chops a guy's head off. Um, I have a, a shot of it on my demo reel online from like way years ago, but uh, it's this axe seamlessly has to chop this guy's head off. And I told him, I said, okay, we'll shoot the guy here. We're going to uh, put acetate over the monitor. We're going to trace his eyeballs. We're going to put a dummy head in. We're going to hit that dummy head with the axe. In in camera, you're not going to do CGI. You're just going to put the shot mm -hmm. on top of the shot and and the, cut the first one with the live actor a split second before that fake head. Right. And uh, and he listened to me. They did it. The camera guy went home and edited it overnight, showed the director, and at that point, the director was like, oh, okay, this this guy, this little kid knows what he's doing, you mm -hmm. know? And uh, from that point on, the movie was successful. We finished it. It came out. And it didn't do great, but, it, you know, it had some blips in Fangoria and mm -hmm. whatever. But I, re it, I remember. Yeah. I remember it coming out. It, it really was, like, during the Saw craze, and it was just yeah. the knockoff. I do a lot of sure. knockoffs, you sure. know, and I, I like it. I think it grounded out with everything else that, yep. you know, maybe isn't really great, but it's got money behind it. Yeah. So, yep. you know, what are you going to so, do? It was uh, that was one that almost that whole production almost came off the rails and then didn't. And I've been involved in them that, that did go off the rails yeah, yeah. and didn't come back, you know. So uh, it happens, it, it does. happens. Yeah, yeah, nothing's ever perfect, right. you know. But the whole thing, like you said, putting your labor of love into it, yeah, is it, just phenomenal. Always you know? putting the best on the screen rather than like, and I've always been that way. It's never about you get a budget. And it's never like, ooh, how much am I making on that? It's like, mm -hmm. how much can I put on, into this? Because right. this is going to lead to that, which is going to lead to this. And, yeah. you know. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, first of all, um, you know, the museum's amazing. You know, I've seen your name pop around just throughout my history of loving this kind of stuff, you know. And again, Strange Uncles, is, this is kind of what we do and yeah. what we talk about, you know. I think a lot of the stuff gets forgotten about. It gets shuffled. And it's kind of a shame it does, you know. Um, with that being said, any promos on your side? you want to promote your podcast or the museum? Yeah, uh, 100%. If you're in the Las Vegas area, Tom Devlin's Monster Museum, it's awesome. We will even do hotel pickups. I'll pick you up in a hearse. It'll be a big party. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so uh, we have a website. It's TomDevlinsMonsterMuseum.com. And then also uh, we do have a podcast called Midnight at the Monster Museum where we let everybody know what's going on. We interview the celebrities that come into the museum. Uh, we do signings once a month here, so we usually have some yeah. pretty funny guys here. And then uh, we'll do, you know, everything that from from rating horror movies to just kind of shooting the shit about mm -hmm. bringing the passion into what we do, you know, letting sure. people know this isn't just a, a tourist trap that like the owner lives in, you know, wherever the, the, Timbuktu. The of the house yeah. Oh, this, yeah. This is, this is yeah. a family owned and run establishment and we put our, our love and pride here. And, and yeah. uh, I do love movie monsters and they are getting scarcer in practical form. So, they are. I think when you think about CGI and yeah. everything else coming up, it's, um, you know, I try to keep the excitement on the old stuff. You know, I, they're remaking Swamp Thing. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. Well, especially because, you know. Derek Mears is, uh, is playing Swamp Thing, and he was the last Jason. Right. Right. Uh, he's a great suit actor. Yeah. Uh, Such a loop around. Yeah, yeah. and, yeah. and I, I think there will be more practical in there than I had expected. Mm -hmm. I've seen some pictures, and mm -hmm. it looks cool. I yeah. love Swamp Thing, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you for your time again. You know, Tom Devlin's a Monster Museum. We made the quick, if you're in a car, honestly, it's like 20 minutes out of yeah. Vegas. Easy to get here. It's right in Boulder City. Um, fantastic. Thank you for coming on. Thank you yeah, for having course. you, you know, and can't wait, uh, can't wait to see all your further work. Awesome. So, awesome. So thank you, Tom Devlin. That was an awesome interview. Uh, I actually can't wait to get out there. And you guys, if we're in Vegas, dude, it's worthwhile. He does a really good job. 
uh, loves what he does and uh, really have a lot of respect for the guy. And it kind of fits into the whole movie talk that we've been doing because he just, he's been in that genre for genre. Genre. There you go. For a long time. So anyway, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode. I Hopefully you guys got something out of it. Uh, just to keep in mind, we have some requests from listeners. One is actually the moon landing talk. We briefly touched on, I think, two or three episodes ago. Yeah, I think I was giving you shit for not. You were totally that we went to there because we. Okay, did. I'm still my mind's open, but I'm just saying, and it fits in the whole Apollo 50 anniversary, everything else going on. Mm. We're gonna put that together, and we're actually gonna have a pretty good conversation, I think, uh, without fisticuffs. You know, or people pissing on each other. Hopefully yeah. that doesn't happen. So, I mean, I can't speak for Josh. I mean, I'll be uh, there. Is it pissing thing out? I might get loud. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, ready, this. I'm ready to do it next week, though. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. We're going to give that a shot. And uh, so thank you for actually putting that uh, email in there. And then we also have a request about doing the whole topsoil 30 years thing that you talked about. And we haven't got it confirmed yet, but hopefully we're lining up so we can have somewhat of an expert on We'll in breach. We'll make that a little bit more expanded about the climate change in general, which we're all worried about. But I think what you spoke about specifically, Josh, it's a little bit more dialed in for yeah. what it could be. Yeah, and it's it's one hundred percent real. This is this yeah. is not a hoax. Yeah. This is not a drill. No, no, we're not. Hey, we're making shit up. It's These not Republicans are trying quotes, to get cyclical. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we'll go from there. And besides the grasshoppers invading Las Vegas, which is a, uh, you know, it's a prophecy thing, evidently. It's I didn't know that. Biblical plague. Mm, that's what they say. It's not locust, yeah. but whatever. Tight. You know. Same thing. Yeah. So we will go from there. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, we're going to we're gonna close it. What is happening to you? <laughs> uh, we're going to close. Uh, we're going to go ahead and close the. I don't understand what the fuck is happening. We're going to close the gates. That's all I want to do.